Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This premier independent fan experience podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and brings you honest and in-depth Montreal Canadiens discussion and entertainment. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Pudney are proud to be one of your trusted sources for Habs and hockey news. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to episode 191 of Habs Unfiltered. I'm your host, Blaine Pudvay, and I'm joined now by my co-host, Trey Wilson. Hello. We have a jam-packed show today. We're going to go through camp notes, uh, talk about lines, players, who's impressed, who hasn't, some news and notes. And in the second half of this show, we will be joined by Brandon Seltonrich of the Hockey Writers, who also does the Sabre Scoop. And we're going to do an Atlantic Division preview. So this is going to impact the Canadians specifically. And in that, in that preview, we'll talk about who's going to be a wildcard team, who's going to be in the running, who we expect to slide. Boston. And um, a little bit of, well, I'm going to say it's shit-chucking at the all-or-nothing uh, thing that was on Prime TV, which, by the way, Spoiler alert, they chose nothing. Uh, I actually kind of like that series, sorry, but I didn't mind it at all. Love the ending. <laughs> I love the buildup, the buildup, and then the ending. Uh, but no, so it's, as it, we it's all so know, Toronto. It was so as Toronto. we all know, I'm not a Leafs hater. So, but uh, I kind of like the show. I like that behind the scenes type thing where you're watching yep. to see how things run behind the scenes. But uh, I, I, I must admit, I did smile a lot in the last episode. So. It was kind of because every and, and game I'm, they showed against Montreal, they were beating the shit out of them all season long, and and uh, yeah. then then they lost. Uh, the only thing I'm going to bring up about that uh, that entire series, other than loved the ending, was um, Leaf fans are really going to miss out on Nick Foligno. Yeah, well, I mean the five the five games that he played with them in total, I think. Well, had he stayed, it would have been worthwhile. But hey. Who needs a first round pick, right? 
Oh, and uh, I, I through that show, and this is the last thing I'm going to say about it is uh, Jack Campbell. I really like Jack Campbell. I, I, I liked yeah. his emotion and and, yeah. and the way he he. he uh, I don't like the way he handles himself. He's pushing too much blame on himself, but uh, I I, uh, I I can see Leaf fans running him out of Toronto. I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, a bad stretch, and then especially yeah. this year would be detrimental to him. All right, so moving on from the Schadenfreude that is, it was three one to. Um, the Canadians and the camp. So uh, the Canadians, as we record, it's Sunday morning, October 3rd. The Habs had their back-to-backs with Ottawa. They got completely destroyed on Friday night. And then they came back with a good, uh, a good game on Saturday night. So they have two more preseason games. And we are going to kind of see in the next few days how the Canadians are going to set up their camp. There's some players that are still remaining that won't hold on, but we'll get into that in a minute, but we're going to start with the news and notes. Uh, The Sammy Niku concussion. It was announced on Saturday. He is out indefinitely with a concussion. And this is horrible news for a young player who, uh, wanted to have a fresh start with the new organization after he ran his course in Winnipeg. <clears throat> and now, now this, I mean, and a hit that in all honesty, I know Nico turned his back to play the puck, but Norris made no attempt to slow down or change direction. It should have been a two minute boarding call with the referee right there, but Hey, wasn't a cross check. So who cares? Right. Uh, <clears throat> The thing with Niku is uh, I was really high on this guy. He's a good puck mover. Apparently he had attitude issues in Winnipeg that according to Joel Amira, uh, he corrected and kind of, you know, realized that that was his biggest issue and why he wasn't cracking the Winnipeg lineup and decided that, uh, you know, enough's enough time to grow up at 24 years old. Now we don't know the extent of the concussion. We don't know if it's what grade it is or how, how, so he could only be out a week. He could be a, four weeks. I mean, uh, as we know from the all or nothing series, Tavares concussion wasn't as bad as it looked when he first got hit. He was on the ice within three days. Um, and that's, I'm not taking anything away from that hit on Tavares. I'm just saying from a person who's had multiple concussions, there is a degree of concussion that you have in the battery of tests you get to go through. Um, on a side note, it kind of makes it easier for the management and coaching staff to know who's making the team or not on that uh i'm gonna say right side like i for anyone out there yes niku is a left-handed shot who plays primarily on the right side so he's not your typical left-handed shot defenseman um i know and i thought weidman had a great game last night so that kind of for someone who i don't think really has had a very good camp game wise uh, i thought weidman came out last night and had an excellent game and maybe because maybe the little bit of the pressure's off on him with with, uh, with Nico being out. I don't know. Uh, I think uh, I feel bad for Nico. Like you said, twenty four years old, trying to start a new new start. He, he has all the tools that the Canadians want in a in a defenseman, uh, and uh, to have that happen with a ref looking right at it and nothing happening, so or no call. Um, it looks like same old same old NHL refing is going to happen this year as well as last year basically but so. it's not a cross check so who gives a shit uh, i mean even the cross check thing to me is uh, there was some 
I, I know it's preseason. There was a lot of questionable cross-checking calls so far. Not not just in the Canadians games, but around the league. I, w- I watch a lot of different games, and they're calling stuff that is very uh, ticky-tack. Well, what's going to happen, Blaine, is as soon as a stick is going to touch a player's back, he's going to hit the ice. And as soon as he hits the ice, the penalty is going to go up and say it's a cross-check. Well, not everyone plays like Stutzel. Uh, oh, God. Sure. Sure. But you know that's going to happen. In front of the net, defenseman's going to put a stick up like this. All of a sudden, he's going to do a little push, and that guy is going to be flat on his face. The arm's going to go up. Power play. That, 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 and that's going to happen for about the first 25 games. And then all of a sudden, this cross-checking penalty thing is going to disappear, just like every other new rule implemented in the NHL at the first of the season. Or crackdown. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, moving on to another note, uh, Norlander is out with a minor injury. He's been um, the touch and go. Uh, so that that kind of mixes things up a little bit on the blue line, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, Caulfield, he says he's ready to go, but Ducharme <laughs> said, uh, was a little bit surprised that uh, Caulfield got a medical degree from Wisconsin in his two years. So he said he's going to wait for the team doctors to uh, give him the green light. But all expectation is that Caulfield will be ready to go for the next preseason game, I believe, on Tuesday. Tuesday against so, the Leafs, I think. Yeah, and it, that that's good news. It's all minor stuff. Uh, now, on the blue line, Niku, concussion. Norlander banged up a little bit. Gooley has been looking very good. Uh, I think I think Gooley's going to get another another look they're going to give him a good long look but in the end i think what you said earlier about weidman i think is correct i think weidman's going to be the one that ends up in that spot solely because they know what to expect from him he's a veteran he know he knows that if he plays he plays a certain way within himself and he won't make too many mistakes and that's that's what they're looking for on that third pair Exactly. Uh, Edmondson is someone else who's day to day that uh, hasn't been. If, if people are wondering why Edmondson hasn't been uh, seen yet, he's day to day. I'm not sure what injury he has, if it's lower or upper body, but uh, no, not disclosed. Uh, yeah, he's day to day with some sort of an injury. Uh, and I'll bring this up later. But as for Weidman, he's him and Nico would him or Nico would have been the perfect fit on that third line, which I believe is going to be Sherratt on the left side. I think Romanov is going to play with Savard on the second pairing, uh, which I'm all for. Um, and that was the other thing I was going to bring up. This is why Romanoff has been playing with Petrie, with Edmondson out, which indicates to me that when Edmondson comes back, he's slotting back down into that uh, role with Savard, and Sherratt's going to be your third line, yeah, uh, or third pairing. D. And if, um, if Edmondson isn't available to play at the beginning of the season, I'm going to say it here. I expect Gooley to get the start with the Canadians this season for a few games because of that, because he plays a similar style as Edmondson does already. Like I know, I know fans are, you know, comparing him to everyone from Nick Lidstrom to Shea Weber. He's a big mobile guy with a, with a heavy shot who likes to play physical, which is basically what Edmondson is now. So with if Edmondson is out, I expect they're going to give Gooley a few games. Uh, as long as it's under 10 games, then and, yep. and it's perfectly okay. 
And yes, I, I, I'll totally agree with that, Blaine. If, if Evans is not ready to start the season, I think, and I think that's why Gooley's still at, in, in camp. Uh, out of all the young defensemen, Gooley has been far and above. Him and Jacki, actually, have been far and above the best two young defensemen uh, playing in this camp. Um, I'm very impressed with Jacki. I believe he was just invited to the rookie camp. Uh, on, a, uh, on an year. ATO on an ATO. Yeah. And, uh, he's, he's earning his keep. Um, so it'll be interesting to see that too. I don't think Jack, I makes a team. I don't think he's cause he hasn't been out playing Gooley, which is, uh, in Norlander, I think Norlander goes back to Forlunda. I think the injury slowed him down. Yep. Uh, when we did see him, he has a lot of defense stuff to work on. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he can't go to the HL. So I can see him going back to Forlunda. Uh, I think they're hoping to get another game out of him before he goes back, but we'll see. There's only Thursday, I think, is the last game against Ottawa. I think it's Tuesday Ottawa. and Thursday, yeah. So Tuesday against yeah. Toronto, Thursday against Ottawa. Thursday against Ottawa. So, and that game should almost be a full squad of what you're going to see in the NHL. So, yeah, for the most part, with the with the exception of maybe one or two guys that are. No. So I'll have ball. to agree with you if Edmondson's not ready to come back with Nico and Norlander hurt. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see Gooley Romanoff play with Petrie, Sherratt move up with Savard, and you have a Gooley uh, Weidman, uh, unless they throw Weidman on the left side, which is Savard, but you have a Gooley Weidman uh, third pairing. Yeah, yeah. Or I Kulak. I, 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 Kulak will be in, is in the mix too, so we can't oh, of course. leave him out as well. So. No. Um, and, and I think I think Weidman's going to be the seventh guy. I think they'll play Kulak over Weidman and they'll go back and forth. But yeah, for the most part, that's what yeah. I expect the blue line to look like. And um, yeah, I had a thought there and I lost it. Now, people who have not impressed me in camp, if we want to go there. Oh, now. Jack Eye, before we get to that. Oh, Jack Eye. Yep. I, I don't be surprised to see him get a contract to the AHL after this camp. Uh, he may even get a two-way contract. Who knows? Uh, I don't know. He's impressed me. Uh, he's impressed me actually quite a lot. Uh, I don't see him not – I don't see him leaving the organization. Uh, so, yeah, I can see him getting a contract with the AHL, at least the with the Lions and Trois-Rivier, at least. Well, because, an AHL uh, contract, they can, they can circumvent the ECHL uh, salary yeah. cap because there is one down there. You can't pay guys a certain <clears throat> beyond a certain amount. So if you give him a one-way AHL deal, he gets paid that amount even if he gets sent down. Oh, there you go. So, so um... and that's why the Canadians have been doing a lot of AHL contracts so that they can pay guys more, knowing that they're going to go to the ECHL, like yeah. Kevin Pooling. Yeah. Well, Kevin um, Poulin was like everyone freaking out about Kevin Poulin. He was never given an AHL contract, so he was never in a mix to be on the Habs. So. No, no. Now, who is in the mix now is the waiver wire pickup, Semin Motabu. So he's coming in from Florida. He had a great season. He had a, well, I wouldn't say great. He had a pretty good season with uh, Syracuse last year. Uh, eight, four, and one record. Um, decent, uh, decent numbers. He is a backup. So it, it kind of points to price not being quite 100%. So they're going to let Primo play and in the AHL while this guy sits on a bench. I, I, I agree. I, I don't think they plan on price being back for the first week of the season. Anyway, uh, I think this week he's just going to get on the ice and start facing shots. 
which to me tells me that he's probably not going to get in. He's probably going to miss the first two, three games of the season. Uh, I'm not sure how long they have to keep uh, what Monte. I'm going to say Montebello because I hate saying names. Montembo. Uh, Montembo. Uh, I don't know how long. He, I don't know how he has to. How long he has to stay on the team? But I know they can put him on. I think it's 30 days or something like that before they. Can no, no. It, it, so with the with the waiver rule, picking him up on waivers, they can they can put him right back on waivers if they want. But um, if the other, so the rule there is they can put him back on waivers to send him down. If Florida picks him up and claims him, they can send him to the AHL without have, uh, him having to go to waivers. Sure. Again. Okay. So they, okay. they, you know, it's one of those little things. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah. So I think he's more so that Caden Primo, who had an excellent game last night, by the way, uh, he had a rough start to the training camp, but he, I thought he played excellent last night, uh, can get a full season, I believe in Laval. I, I don't think they have any plans of having Primo play in Montreal, maybe a game or two, maybe if need be, but they don't yeah. want him sitting on a bench doing nothing while Allen, if price is out any longer than we think. They don't want him sitting on a bench doing nothing. So, which makes sense to me. The whole move and, makes sense. And this points to them not, and thinking that McNiven isn't capable of being a backup at the NHL level. Correct. Correct. Because I did. I else? did. I did mention a few game, a few episodes ago that I thought McNiven would end up being the backup if Price wasn't ready, only because I felt Primo needs the starts in the AHL, yeah. not because I thought McNiven was better than Primo. But I think you're right. I, even though McNiven hasn't had a terrible camp. Uh, I don't think they feel they're ready to put an unproven player who's never played in the NHL in a regular season on their bench. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, I think they're, be- <clears throat> they're more comfortable with this and that's fine. Uh, McNiven and Primo doing their AHL platooning. And once, uh, once price does come back, they're going to put Motabo on, uh, on waivers again, and more than likely he'll be, he'll be picked up by somebody somewhere. And if he isn't, well, then he sits as a backup in the AHL and McNiven, McNiven becomes the ECHL starter. Or they go with three goalies in the AHL. One, like or likely they move they'll move yeah. McNiven down to be a starter. Probably. Yeah. Uh, all right. So from there, we'll talk a little bit about lines. Like we saw, we saw a line with the, uh, to Foley, Suzuki, and Gallagher last night, and it was it was really good. Like they they have very good chemistry. I expect uh, Caulfield to be back on that line. So, in all reality, uh, Gallagher is likely to start the season on a th- so-called third line because the Anderson Dvorak uh, Drew line Drew line is is a, doing well, and I don't see them breaking it up right away. Yeah. So third line, <laughs> third line. Uh, it looks to me once Huffman's back and Gallagher's back, you're going to have a Huffman paling slash Evans Gallagher third line. I, I as of right now, uh, we're going to get into this a little bit later. I think it's going to be paling. I wouldn't be surprised if it was Evans. I don't think it's going to be Paquette or Perot. Um, so unless Montreal makes a move and gets another or signs a veteran center or something like that. Um, yeah. My expectation but, is Evans. They they seem to trust Evans a little bit more. He's got more of a track record with uh, with Ducharme. So I 
I would see Evans getting the inside track on that third line and paling uh, based on his play so far, looks like he should make the team and he would be a fourth line. So thinking about who's on that fourth line, Armia, Lekkinen, it's not a, not a bad line to, to, you know, not bad to have those two wingers on your, on your sides. If you're a young center. And and if you look at training camp, this is why I'm still open to paling. I mean, I've been saying this for weeks. I'm still, I think Palin gets the three C. I know you think it's going to be Evans. I think I'd like to see them do with Palin what they did with Cotton Yemi when he first came in, put him on, give him the third line minutes, see what he can do. Shelter. I mean, he's got to have two terrific wingers. Uh, even if Huffman's not ready to come back right away, which he won't be, I think it'll be another, a week into the season before he's back. So you're going to have a Lekkonen over there uh, or Paquette or Perot or whoever. Um and right now, as you can see, last night he played with Lekkonen. Uh, Evans is playing, played every game with Armia. Um, and this is why I think Evans is going to be on the fourth line with Armia, just for the simple fact that we've said this before, Ducharme likes to pair people up. Evans so far has been paired up with Armia the entire training camp. Paling's been with kind of guys he's familiar with, the AHL guys, until last night where he he, he went with Lekkonen. Um I it's it's really a shame that Gallagher's playing so well with it's not a shame but he's playing so well with uh uh Toffoli and Suzuki just because you know when Caulfield comes back he's slotting into that right wing and you really get to bump your soul of the team down to a third line and I go quotation marks if you're not watching on YouTube because that's not how Montreal plays their lines it, it Montreal just matches lines for lines it's not this is our first, this is our second, this is our third. Uh, many times last season, we saw the third line get more minutes than the second line. So it all depends on the situation of the game of who plays and where. Yeah, the, using the uh, the, aver- uh, the the time on ice is fine for people who want to just kind of differentiate a little bit for themselves. But yeah. five on five, the, the times are mostly even in the top nine. That fourth line is there to pick up some minutes after yeah. special teams have played and, you know, eat up a little bit of time here and there to give a rest to the other guys. But for the most part at five on five, the so-called first, second, third lines have about even ice time. It's where it's individuals pick up extra time on the power play penalty kill. But uh, for, for Gallagher on that line, I mean, he fits well, no matter where you put him. Um, but he's going to be more, he's going to be very useful for the Canadians in that other role, because he's going to be going up against lesser competition, providing veteran leadership to who, whatever young center is going to be there. And he drives the transitional play as well. Well, yeah, like that's uh, Jason Paul brought that up on the episode he had with us yep. about how Gallagher, even though to look at him, you wouldn't think so. He's a transitional player. He drives the play. He gets the puck into the zone and uh, that's going to be good because Mike Huffman, on the other hand, he's a pure shooter. He's the guy that needs to be set up. He needs, he's the guy that will find the open ice in the offensive zone. He may not get the puck in the office zone. He may not back check for you, but he's going to score you 30, 30 plus goals, 60 plus points. Um, so you need a guy that can bring the puck in and you need a guy that can do that, especially with Huffman on that line. Uh, but now we talk about like there's a thing on Twitter about how a really good third line would have been Tatar, Deneau, and uh, 
and Gallagher, but Montreal chucked that all in. You don't want to pay $20 million for a third line. No. So right now you're paying, if you say put either Paling or Evans, doesn't matter on that line, you're, it's under $12 million for a third line. Not ideal for a third line because you got $11 million in two people, but uh, six and a half for, for Gallagher, four and a half for, but like Montreal doesn't use their third line like most people use their third line. So you got to look at it that way as well. Like Montreal just needs to go yep. like first line here, second line here, third line here. Uh, but I look at it as look at the depth of the Montreal Canadiens. Like you look at the depth of the Canadiens, you have a 30 goal score on every line. Every single line has a 30 goal or a potential 30 goal score. And that now look at the Toronto, third line has two guys two. Who, have, who have scored 30 goals each multiple times. Yeah. And you go to, um, let's go to a team like Toronto, who's a highly offensive team. And this is not a knock on Toronto. But you get past the second line, they don't have a 20-goal scorer. Well, even on their first line, they, they only got those four guys. Th- those four top forwards are the ones that drive all the offense. And then after them, it's a, it's a massive drop. It's a cliff between these guys who are 40, maybe even 50-goal scorers. You got yeah. two of them that are probably yeah, at least good for Marner and, and Matthews are 50 goal scorers. Well, I don't think Marner's ever hit it, but he could if he... If well, he Tavares and Matthews yeah. could both hit 50. Yeah, I think Marner could as well. But uh, but it's a massive drop-off after those four. Correct. After those at Nylander, it's a massive drop-off. So you got Richie, you got Bunting. Anyway, I don't want to get in Toronto, but you got all Case. You got all these guys who are not going to score you 20 goals. Or, well, I mean, they might play with, with but it's, Marner. It's, and, about, it's about a team-building philosophy. Correct. Star power versus uh, solid two-way depth. Which one comes out on top? I'm not going to say one way or the other, but in the regular season, Toronto is going to be the better team. Mm-hmm. But in the playoffs, we all know what happens in the playoffs. Uh, well, there's a whole documentary about it. Um, oh, that's right. You mentioned that earlier. <laughs> uh, but I mean, if you look at it, I mean, if you look at the teams that win the Stanley Cup, I mean, minus maybe Tampa Bay because Tampa Bay has Kucherov and Stamkos. And well, they've 47. got they've got both star power and and solid two way depth. That right. right there is how you become an elite team in the NHL, and that's how you win multiple Stanley Cups in a row. Yeah, Pittsburgh Penguins, another another great team to say about Chicago that. Blackhawks. Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, Montreal is, doesn't have the star power. I mean, Carey Price is a star. Uh, but they don't have the forward star power, but they do have solid. And this is why I think Montreal is going to have a good season. I think they're going to easily make the playoffs. I know you think they're going to be a wild card team. Yep. Uh, I, I think they're going to battle for the third position in the, uh, in the Atlantic. So uh, I think they will be close, but I think they're going to end up in a wild card spot. Um, unless of course injuries and all that kind of shit happens, but I mean, that happens to every team. Um so I lost my train of thought. But anyway, Montreal, to have Huffman and Gallagher as your third-line wingers, you're doing a pretty good job at, uh, at building this team. Now it's to figure out who the center is going to be for the third and fourth line. And on that, we'll transition to Ryan Paling because he fits right into that. And we've been going back and forth on Paling. And by we, I mean every Habs fan, us, media, Everybody have been going back and forth on Paling and how he has done. At the start of camp, I, I, 
I saw him as being too tentative. Like he, he was doing okay, but he's coming off an injury. He's a little bit rusty. It's the start of camp. Um, and, and he was, he was too reactive and too tentative, but after the second game in the back-to-backs, so Saturday night's game, I saw a paling that was more proactive. He was, he was initiating play. He was more aggressive on the puck. He was, he was helping to create. He's still the North-South guy, but there was a little bit of a shift. He started to feel more comfortable, a little bit more confident. You can see it. Now, you have written several articles on paling and have gone on about him during camp. So walk us through what you got. All right. So I've been saying from the start, paling should be the third line center right from the get-go. I think paling last year had an excellent season in Laval. I think he earned his spot. Now, I'm going to sound like I'm contradicting myself here, but it was also to prove a point. Paling in the first two games of the preseason, not including Saturday nights, because I, I did not go to natural stat trick and bring up his, his stats. from. He was 60% in the face-off circle. 25 chances for, 19 chances against. No goals for, but only one goal against, which is significant considering he had none goal, no goals against in the seven in the game against Ottawa where they had seven goals against on, on the team. Uh, his course, he is 56.82. His XGF is 55.1. Scoring chances 4-9. Scoring chances against 10. And his high definition chances percentage is 62.5. So what I get out of that is 62% of the time, the high definition chances are going in favor of his line, whereas the rest of the time is going against. So analytically, Paling looked really good in his first two games. Analytically. It's, yeah. Grant McKeg made a great point on this tweet that he put on there, and he kind of called me out on it because you all know how I feel about analytics. And my little analytic uh, tweets were me trying to prove a point because the eye test wasn't working. <laughs> because I test on paling the first two games, he looked lackadaisical. He looked like he was playing it safe. To me, it seemed like he wanted to make the team, but do it by not making any mistakes. Therefore, I'm not going to go. If I might lose the puck if I go do this, so I'm not doing that. Even though this could create a good chance, I'm just going to stay back on that. I'm not yeah. going to do anything fancy. I'm not going to try to push any plays. If I get a chance, great. If I don't, I'm just going to. Yeah, he was being carried by his line mates. Correct. Because he wanted to play it safe. Yeah. Because he was afraid to make a mistake because he was afraid if he made that mistake. And I think this goes back to not last year's, but the year before's uh, training camp where he felt he had a really good camp, but still got put down to the, uh, to Laval. This was when he had his shitty season. He had the concussion and then he had that crappy season in Laval. And he had a little bit of an attitude issue with getting sent down and all that kind of stuff. Um, but then you watch last night's game or Saturday night's game. Uh, you look at it and you go, well, look, all these analytics that I threw out the day before, he's actually doing what those analytics should be, would really be showing uh, if he was doing that the first two games. So I, for one, haven't been one of those guys been going back and forth on paling. I've been in his quarter the entire training camp. Um I noticed Matthew Ross there just put out a tweet about how they're saying on the TSN, how 
oh, is Paling ready for the NHL? And I kind of retweeted and said, I've been saying this for a while now. Uh, you know, get with the times, guys. Uh, <laughs> was that on the uh, was that on our friend Marco's uh, TSN hit? TSN five ninety. Uh, he he put out the apparently this morning show. They were talking about Paling and how he should get a spot on the roster and all this kind of stuff. That was probably Marco uh, Marco Domingo, uh, the hockey. That no, wasn't Marco. It, it was Matthew Ross. No, I don't know if Marco was show. with him. Oh, is it his show? I, I yeah. maybe I just know Matthew Ross was saying he was okay. going to talk about it. And I didn't listen I re- to the show, but uh, I, I plan on to uh, doing it later. I, I retweeted saying, uh, "Yeah, get with the show, guys." So, anyway. <laughs> Go, catch up, catch up, catch up. <laughs> um, where was I? Oh, but anyway, uh, the point I'm making about paling is, and the point I'm making about analytics. I took a two-game slot, and Grant McKeg. God love him. Called me out on it. And he was absolutely right. And I knew exactly what I was doing. What did he say? He basically said, analytics aren't everything. If the eye test doesn't show you the guys, you know, you can't put analytics on heart and willingness and, you know, compete level. level. And he's absolutely right. However, I wanted to prove a point that Paling is a good hockey player. And the analytic numbers showed me. When I went and looked them up on natural stat trick, it showed me, hey, look at these analytical numbers. They're great. And I tried to do this in the playoff with Gustafson. Gustafson had tremendous analytic <laughs> numbers in the playoffs, but he's a shit defenseman. So the point I'm making is, for all you analytical nerds out there, Jason Paul, you're excluded because I don't think you're a nerd. But uh, <laughs> don't just look at the analytics. You cannot base everything on just analytics. You can't. Well, no, it's a team I, sport. It's a team I literally, sport. I literally changed Brian Wilde's mind about paling by throwing the analytics out there. Because, I mean, math is math. Math's not wrong, right? It's, but what has to be kept in mind, the analytics are fine. It's good to use analytics. But right. you have to match it up with an eye test because with hockey's test. a team sport. And you have to use the basic stats as well. You can have all the analytics in the world, but if you're not putting points on the board... What are you doing? Well, I mean, he could have, so for, for paling in those two games that you're quoting for his analytics, he could easily have won the face-off, stood still at the face-off dot for the entire shift and still gotten those same numbers. Exactly. Exactly. But if you're watching and you're like, well, he's just standing still. Why does he, why are his numbers so good? Well, but then me, I could go and say, look at, look at the analytical numbers. Look, I got the numbers right here. Exactly. It's an amazing so, game. <laughs> analytics are good but they are a tool they have to be matched up with other tools you can't just build a house with only a hammer you need other tools yeah you need a saw you need saws you you need <laughs> nails manpower you need other people to help but i, I and the point i'm making and, and yes i will admit i used analytics to prove my point because you're a douche I use them, but it also proved two points for me that analytics aren't everything. And all you analytic guys out there who go on about Victor Mete and all these guys and Anderson sucks because analytics sucks. It's not all about analytics. Sorry, it's not. <laughs> it also proved that uh, Grant McCagg is part of the team because uh, he chirped you. Thanks, Grant. Well, I don't know if Grant chirped because I don't think Grant likes me very much. I don't know if Grant chirped. So he's me. like think, everybody else. <laughs> so I, I think he was just trying to say, Trag, you're a fucking idiot. Uh, yeah. If you watch the game, you can tell he didn't have very good games. 
that that puts him on our team. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so before we switch over to the next segment, any th- any last thoughts so far on camp? Uh, I just want to bring up the there was guys sent down last night: Maddock, Dauphin, McNevin, Day, Bodan, Bison, and Shuneman. 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 Uh, no, nothing really. No. McNevin was was not expected until they signed uh, Montebello. I'm calling him Montebello from now on. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, there's no big surprises there. No, uh, they're all AHL deals except for McNevin, AHL. who's on a two way. Yeah. So, so uh, I no think days on a two uh, days on a two way as well. John Sebastian day. Yeah. Meh. But anyway, uh, nothing surprising, but that brings it down to 37 uh, players remaining with yeah, Yolanin and Gouley still uh, fighting first spot. Yeah. Uh, I think Ducharme said he wants it down to about 25, 26 before, uh, before the last game. So there, there's going to be a lot more cuts, I think, today and tomorrow. Um, Yolonen, however, uh, before the, the camp started, Ramage went on about how they're expecting to see him play some NHL games this year. And what we saw yesterday in that uh, preseason game kind of solidifies it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really happy that he, uh, he, he got himself vaccinated. He's going to be part of the team. He's going to be given every opportunity now and he can travel. And there's, no, there's nothing holding him back except himself at this point. And right now I don't see much that he is doing. That's going to hold himself back. His play so far has been pretty good. It's just going to be very interesting to see who are the final cuts are going to be. Cause I mean, you still got Perot, Paquette, and neither one of them have really been impressive really. But uh, then again, with, with veterans at a camp, they're, they're more there to get their timing back and to mm-hmm. ease into the role that they're, expected to play within a team but if you got this young guy you'll play in you <laughs> look out i don't think probably, yeah. makes the team out of the, right out of the gate anyway like i'm just saying uh, yeah uh, um, I, ve- I very much expect you to go back down to laval start the season there and he'll be a call up or if a trade happens he can be called up at that point you know like he's, an injury he's also trade. waiver exempt so him and paling yeah. i think the only way although i wrote an article saying he wasn't he is waiver exempt everyone yeah. just throwing it out he is. Um, and uh, for me, well, I just want the Canadians to avoid a lame duck GM season with Bergevin in his last year of a deal. Sign him or fire him. Don't let him stay the full year without a deal. Like you need to find someone that's going to be here for the next little while because you've got important jobs to do. You've got to get Suzuki extended. Uh, there's there's contracts that are be coming up. What's going to be the uh, the direction for this team at this point? It's at a crossroads. I don't think they're a you know a Stanley Cup contender, even though they made the Cup final last year. That's a great run, but with the changes that have happened, this is more of a team that's that's going to be competitive, but needs a little bit more. So, what direction are we going to take? That that's that's what. That's the kind of thing I'm looking at. And I, I wrote about that on the hockey writers um, about the lame duck GM situation. Uh, so that's something I want them to avoid. And with that, I think we're done this segment. Woo-hoo. 
uh, we're going to take a break. And when we come back out of the break, we're going to be joined by Brandon Seltonwich of the Hockey Writers. Also does the Sabre Scoop. We're going to be previewing the Atlantic Division. So stick around. We'll be right back. Abs Unfiltered has special sponsors. Uh, go to seatgiant.ca to save 35% on all your fees when purchasing tickets to NHL, CFL, Major League Baseball, concerts, whatever event Seat Giant sells. Use the code UNFILTERED20, save 35% on your fees. Go to builtbar.ca and save 10% using the code UNFILTERED20 on your purchases online. Go to East Coast Lifestyle and use the code UNFILTERED20 to save 20% off your purchase of any clothing at East Coast Lifestyle. Also, Lift Life. Go to liftlife.ca and use the code HABS10 to save 10%. And for a special promo until Christmas, HABS Unfiltered will be selling t-shirts in conjunction with 514 shirts. If you purchase one of our shirts, the entire profit for the sale goes to Vets Canada. Vets Canada does work to end veterans homelessness across Canada. So let's help a great cause and wear a great shirt. And welcome back to Habs Unfiltered. Uh, I am joined now by my special guest, Brendan Seltrich. Uh, he covers the Buffalo Sabres for the hockey writers, and he's come on graciously decided to come on to help me break down the Atlantic. So welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Happy to be on. Well, I, I figure it's turnabout's fair game. You've had me on your podcast, the Sabre Scoop, a couple times, so it's only fair. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, you've done a great job, so I hope I can return the favor here. And I mean, it won't be too fun to talk about the Sabres, but the other teams, I'm sure, will be a good time. <laughs> well, it's a good thing it's about the Atlantic and not just Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, so we're we're kind of we're going to break down the Atlantic Division. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, how we think, how we believe things will shake up. But uh, before we begin, why don't you let my listeners know where they can find you and your work? Sure. Yeah. If you want to follow me on Twitter, that's where I do most of my talking and I share all my pieces that I write for the hockey writers on there. I'm at bsalt15 on Twitter. And then if you go to the hockey writers to the Buffalo Sabres section, you'll see me there, Brandon Seltonrich, and you'll find my Twitter handle there as well. I'm sure you guys are going to be very uh, traffic heavy for the uh, for the season. <clears throat> with people going to your site just to learn a little bit about the players that they're going to want to poach from the Sabres. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The same thing happened ahead of the draft and the expansion draft. And so there's yeah. a lot, but you know, as we go into the season here and the Jack Eichel situation is still not settled or taken care of, I'm sure that we're going to be writing a lot and, and I'm sure people are going to keep an eye on it. Oh, absolutely. Um, and as this is an, an Atlantic division preview, uh, I think we can safely say that Detroit and Buffalo are probably not in the playoff picture. However, uh, there's some interesting points to Buffalo that uh, people can take a look at. So what's what's one major aspect that you feel, other than Eichel, of course, that the Sabres are going to be players in 
for the rest of this division. Yeah, well, <clears throat> I think there's a couple of interesting storylines to watch with the Sabres, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that they just have a pretty much a new look roster after they shipped out players starting at the trade deadline last year and then continuing into you know through the offseason. So they have a lot of young guys with a lot to prove. I'm thinking primarily Casey Middlestat, Dylan Cousins, Rasmus Dahlin, who just signed a new contract. Um, they have Ugo Pekka-Lukanen, who uh, head coach Don Granado said is going to start the season on the roster, which is really interesting. So there's a lot of young players. And if these players play um, really well in the higher roles that they're going to be given, I mean, Middlestat could be playing first line center or Cousins. Um, I think they could play spoiler to a lot of teams down the stretch, even if they're at the bottom of the division and not in the playoff picture. So I think they're going to be a team to keep an eye on, even if they're not good. Do you feel they're going to be competitive at all? Like in the games? I, I'm sort of an optimist when it comes to the Sabres and I like to be a glass half full type of guy and type of rider, honestly. Um, and you know, I'm a realist as well. I know that they're likely going to finish last in the league, you know, I are at least bottom three, but definitely last in the league, in my opinion. Um, I know they're not a good team this year, but I think there's a lot of positives and a lot of things you can look at and be excited about, the young players being one of them. And I do think they are going to give it some teams a run for their money. They did that down the stretch last um, season, in the last maybe 20 games, whenever Don Granado took over, and they had a below 500 record, but they were flattering with 500, which to me is competitive. And um, I think that they can do the same, even though this Atlantic division, in my opinion, is the most difficult division to be in this season. Do you think Ottawa is going to be competitive enough to push for any kind of playoff spot, including a wild card? I think it comes down to the goaltending. I really do. Cause I, I like a lot of the senators um, young forwards. I like what they're building out on defense, but when it comes to the goaltending, it's just always been a question mark. And with Matt Murray, you know, I, I'm just not really sure. Um, but I think that's the catalyst there for me. If he can stabilize his game and the players can play a tight um, system in front of him and the young players can continue to put up some good numbers and develop and build that chemistry. I think they could push. Uh, ultimately, I think they're going to miss out just like Detroit and Buffalo, but um, I, I think they could push and be competitive, uh, definitely more competitive than the Sabres for a longer period of time, in my opinion. All right. And now we're going to move on to the so-called big five in your quotes uh, in the Atlantic there's five teams that most people agree are going to be fighting for playoff spots, Tampa Bay, Florida, Buffalo, Toronto, and Montreal. Now, who do you figure out of that, those five are going to be uh, the top, you know, say the top team or the top two teams? Yeah, the top, I definitely agree with the top five. Um, you know, all five of those teams made the playoffs last year. Two of them met in the Stanley Cup final, which is crazy now that they're in the same um, division. I mean, how often does that happen? I mean, it was just a crazy year. But now that they're back in the same division, they're really going to have to prove that they are better than the other teams. And in my opinion, the top two teams are the two Florida teams. I think Tampa Bay and I think the Florida Panthers are the top two. And they're almost interchangeable in my mind. But I would almost give the Panthers a slight edge just because I believe that their top nine forward group is virtually unmatched. And, and they have some guy like Sam Reinhart coming in. I think he's going to make a huge difference to that offense. And they're just going to be more dynamic than they were even last year. Getting Aaron Ekblad back is going to be a huge boon. And I think the Lightning losing a few pieces from their cup team um, is going to affect them more than people might think. 
The only thing that I could see stopping the Panthers from winning this division is their goaltending, which again, that's again, that's a catalyst for every team. When you lose Chris Drieger, people might not bat an eye at that, but when your tandem is Bobrovsky and Spencer Knight, I'm just a little uncertain about what they have in goal, but I do still think that the Panthers are my favorite personally. I have a hard time putting the Panthers in that top two, just because of their goaltending and their defense. Uh, They're, their top nine, I agree, are very, very good. Uh, it's hard to bet against, you know, their center depth. But beyond Ekblad, there is just not a ton there on the blue line. And Ekblad's coming back from a massive injury, so it might take a little bit of time for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their goaltending, oh, my God. Bobrovsky <laughs> has definitely um, hurt that team more than he has helped. And Spencer Knight's a pure rookie. I mean. The kids got talent, but uh, it's hard to it's hard to rely on a rookie goaltender, especially he's going to probably end up taking over the heavy load from Bobrovsky. Mm-hmm. So I I have a hard time putting them in that top two. I think they're they're ripe for a slide, especially with this harder division. Like they had an easier goal last year um, in the division they were in. So they got they got a lot better competition in this division. So without without them producing pro, uh, at every level, I, I have a hard time putting them in that top two. Even the, I think they'll be fighting hard for that third spot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I definitely think, like I said, some of those teams could be interchangeable. But I I just think that, like you said, if the Panthers can get you know, firing on all cylinder, c- sorry, cylinders when it comes to goaltending and defense that they could definitely put themselves over the top. I just love that offense so much. And in this division, I think offense is going to count for a lot, especially when you have a team like, I mean, the Lightning, the Leafs, um, who I have a hard time. I, I think the Maple Leafs are going finish, to finish around third. Um, I, I would be surprised if they slid to a wild card spot, but um, you know, them, their goaltending too is a question for me. And I don't like their losses that they had in the off season. So yeah Toronto they went uh yeah their goaltending is a massive question mark as well I mean Campbell did well in uh, in a short stretch but he's never been a starter Mrazek he's he's never really started more than 40 games in a season Mm -hmm. so it's gonna be hard to see that goaltending tandem really pulling it out they're gonna have to be adequate enough and that's where their scoring is gonna have to come in you're going to need all their guys healthy all year long. And they went with grit as opposed to some added speed. So, you know, you got guys like Richie going into their, their top six and Richie is definitely not a top six and he sure as heck has a hard time keeping up with the kind of speed that guys like Tavares, Marner, Matthews, Nylander can put in. So they're, they're going to be in tough. Their defense isn't that bad in my opinion. So yeah, I can see them being third. They might be able to pull off second, but they're a regular season team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was going to add to Toronto whenever you know we got there. It, this is a very important year for them. I'm, I'm not, I know I'm not the only one who's saying that. I mean, it's been rumored that Kyle Dubis believes he could be on the hot seat if the if they have another first round exit that'll be six years in a row and I think they need need to win at least a playoff round if not more until the team implodes it almost doesn't matter what they do in the regular season because they're gonna have to prove in the playoffs that they have what it takes and against the teams that they're up against right now it's gonna be really hard 
Yeah, the last time the Leafs won a playoff series, if a child was born that day, they'd be able to vote today. <laughs> it's been that long. Yeah. So they and this core has been together about six years, and they have not produced when it counted. I mean, yeah, it's great that Matthews got the rocket last year, and it's it's awesome that they finished first in the division last year, but those those little trophies don't mean anything if you can't translate that to playoff hockey 100 percent. and another fun stat is that the sabers more recently won a playoff round uh than the leafs so uh that's a little stat for you for <laughs> coming from a team that just tied the longest playoff drought in nhl history <laughs> yeah it's been what 11 years 12 years uh 10 years as of last season and it's going to be 11 i mean let's let's call it what it yeah. is <laughs> yeah so that's uh that should be painful for any Leaf fan. That's for sure. Uh, now, Boston, that's a team that's going to be very interesting in this division. I think they're going to have a lot to say one way or the other for the playoff implications. I mean, they've got the best line in hockey in the perfection line. But beyond that, I don't see a lot there. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. And I think losing David Krejci is a, a huge loss for that team. I mean, I think he clicked really well with Taylor Hall. And who was Taylor Hall going to play with? I mean, if if David Krejci's gone. And I mean, Tuka Rask, I think he's still a big question mark because obviously I'm not entirely sure what his status is, but it looks like Linus Olmark is your guy um, in goal for the foreseeable future. And I'm a big Linus Olmark fan. I think he's going to really impress Bruins fans. Um, I think the Bruins could be the only team outside of my three favorites who could challenge for a top three spot in the division, um, you know, just in my opinion. Um, but they're still one of those teams where I don't really know where they fall. Um, I, I'm sure they're going to be good. Like you said, they have one of the best lines in hockey. They always have a good defense. They have some young players that I like. Um, and Linus Allmark, I really do like. But again, there's some question marks around their team as well. Yeah, Allmark's still a question mark for me as he's never really proven himself to be a starter. And mm -hmm. their defense, I mean, they've got Charlie McAvoy and the rest are, are serviceable defensemen, but no one that really stands out, anybody that could do a 25-minute night other than, other than you know, McAvoy. Mm -hmm. And for Hall, I mean, he's got, what, Charlie Coyle to play with? So yeah, it's not quite the same as Krejci, who was, who's got great on-ice vision, and he could, he could really set Hall up. So... It, It'll be tough. They're, if they stay healthy, yeah, absolutely. A, a top three team, wildcard team. And that brings me to the, uh, the final of the five, the Montreal Canadiens. Mm -hmm. Now, in my opinion, they're a wildcard team. They're, that's their hope for a playoff spot is, to, is a wildcard. What, what do you think? I would agree. And, and I honestly wouldn't be surprised if these five teams made the playoffs with the two wild cards coming from the Atlantic division. I really wouldn't be surprised if that happened. And the Canadians are interesting um, because I mean, we all know they're not going to have Shea Weber, um, but they did add some interesting. Oh, they also lost Kokinami. I can't um, you know forget that, but then they had Christian Dvor Dvorak. They had David Savard. They had Mike Hoffman. Like there's some really interesting players being added into the mix here. And I really don't think the Canadians are going to have a Stanley Cup hangover, as they say. I don't think they're going to come out of the gate slow. Um, I think they can compete with these teams, especially if Carey Price plays like he did in the playoffs. I mean, goaltending alone could set them apart from these other teams like the Panthers, um, not the Lightning. Vasilevsky, we all know, is an excellent goaltender. 
Um, so the Lightning are set there. But I mean, the Panthers, the Leafs, even the Bruins, um, you know, you expressed uncertainty with Linus Allmark and Allmark does tend to get injured. So I think goaltending alone could set the Habs apart here. And I really wouldn't be surprised if they were the first wild card out of this division. Now, for Canadians fans, uh, the, Nick Suzuki has stepped into that first line role uh, and Habs fans are high on him. He's going into his third season in the NHL. What do people outside of Montreal see from him at this point? Yeah, I can say, you know, coming from someone who covers the Sabres and someone who got to watch, um, I've, I've gotten to watch a lot of Nick Suzuki. Obviously, everybody saw him in that deep playoff run last year. Um, <clears throat> but I think, personally speaking, I could say that he's a very fast, very talented young player. I mean, it's this new breed of young player who, relies on his skill and his speed and his just handling of the puck his ability to set up plays and shoot I mean I know those are a lot of um, platitudes and pretty commonly used terms but honestly he's just an exciting player to watch and he's like one of those young players I can't believe that the Habs were able to get in a trade I mean honestly um, yeah I don't know what you know Vegas was thinking trading away but Honestly, he's a very exciting young player, and I just love the offensive talent that's there. And he makes a team like Montreal exciting to watch. And he's just, you know, that dynamic difference maker. Now, what's what's a a hot take for the division that you you'd put out there? Hmm. Let's see, a hot take. I I a hot take for me would be that I think the Red Wings are. going to be more competitive than people think. I really do. Um, I think adding Alex Nedeljkovic into your goal really makes more of a difference than people might think. And I also believe that their young core is probably developing quicker than a lot of people might see based on their record the past two seasons. So I think Detroit, in my opinion, is going to finish above above Buffalo, above Ottawa, and they could even challenge for a final wildcard spot if you know, the five teams in this division end up being the five um, teams to make it. So I don't think, I'm not entirely sure if they're going to make it, but my hot take would be that they're in it pretty much until the end. I think they're coming along really nicely. Okay. And um, any final thoughts? Um, Let's see. Well, no- nothing other really than this is probably going to be my uh, division of choice as far as if there's a game on any given night I'm probably going to turn on teams from this division because like I said I believe it's the most you know it's the most talented most difficult division to be in this season I'm obviously going to be watching all the Sabres games so you know I'm sorry I'm, yeah <laughs> going to be disappointed a lot of nights but like I said there's still going to be some exciting young guys to watch um other than that I don't really have anything else but um you know yeah so basically the Atlantic division is going to boil down to some really, really strong teams, a couple of teams that are just quite there, but not really. And the Sabres. I think one team is out of it. And that team is the Sabres. Yeah. All the other teams, I would not be surprised to see battling it out to make the playoffs. Obviously you have your top ones, but even the ones in the middle and towards the bottom, you know, Ottawa, Detroit, I could see them playing spoiler. Yeah. Uh, the, before we before we sign off, I want to ask about the Nadel, the Nadelkovich. It's hard to say Nadel, Nadelkovich trade. Oh my mm-hmm. God, it's a tongue twister. No wonder Carolina <laughs> let him go. Why did Carolina let him go? 
Yeah, we talk about this on Saber Scoop, actually. Me and uh, my co-host, Jordan Shacklin, we had a good segment about this because we were both, our minds were just boggled. We were confused. And if it, what it boiled down to, we think, was a difference of half a million dollars, which um, Carolina was apparently not willing to pay to Nadelkovich. And the fact that they were you know, inclined to trade him away over that small amount of money is just really, really confusing. And uh, I mean, you get Jonathan Bernier in return and it, I just have no idea what they're thinking. Obviously they totally revamped their goaltending in Carolina too. Um, I don't know if it got better, honestly, but yeah, that was just for someone who was a Calder nominee last season to trade him away over half a million dollars that you didn't want to pay. That was totally confusing. And I think they're going to look back at that as a massive mistake. You know, honestly, I think that one trade uh, is going to it. It's going to speed up Iserman's plan in Detroit, and that's part of why I think Detroit is a is a team to watch. They could, if they get onto a roll, you never know. Teams get hot. Uh, on paper, they may not look like a lot, but with a goaltender like that who can really step up his game. He hasn't proven anything much yet, but he was a Calder finalist. So, hey, you get you get hot, you get hot, and maybe uh, maybe they can knock off one of the top five. Yeah, I definitely think that's why I'm excited to watch them, and I definitely think they could play spoiler down the stretch and even flirt with one of the wild card spots if you know other teams don't play as well. So, I definitely agree. Well, uh, I want to thank you for coming on the show, Brandon. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on and talking a little bit about the Atlantic. Um, just a reminder for everyone listening where they can find you. Yeah. If you want to go on Twitter, if you have Twitter at bsalts15, and that's where you can find me. And you can also follow our Sabres show at SaberscoopTHW um, for all our episodes there. Again, thanks for coming on, Brandon, and uh, good, good luck this, this season. Yeah, likewise. Thank you very much. Thanks. Do you have a problem getting big city slams? Are you not getting the gains at the gym? Well, don't mortgage your future on rental supplements. Get Bergie Arms. Bergie Arms will get you the gains you need. Bergie Arms gets rid of all the bad attitude and builds better character so you can get the gains you need. Get Bergie Arms. Bergie Arms. Bergie Arms. Today. Not a real project, mate. May make you trade your favorite player for a mountain man. Do not use, if you're healthy, if you want to loyalty, buy a dog. to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness then check out the natural man podcast join me host mike c as we explore all areas of human wellness physical mental and emotional learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health remember your doctor works for you learn biohacks neurohacks ways to improve sleep 
and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.